IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest IB Talk. I'm your host, Paul Lucas, and well, we're now in February, so presumably you've broken all of your New Year's resolutions. Uh, in fact, can you even remember them? If you are still on track, in which case you're much better than me, then I wonder if you were turning to a classic resolution like losing weight, getting fit, uh, quitting smoking, writing that novel you've been putting off for years, or are you coming at it from a more modern angle? In which case, your goal this year may have been, and it's not too late by the way, to bolster your personal brand. Yes, with the explosion of social media placing us all into the public spotlight, we've become perhaps more brand conscious than ever before. And that's just us. Imagine how it must be for a multi-million dollar company that has to carefully assess everything it puts out into the public domain. Imagine, dare I say it, being an insurance company. Uh, Thankfully for the insurers, help is at hand, not least of all from my guest today, a branding expert and a director at Designate, Miriam Boot. Uh, Miriam, welcome to IB Talk. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much. I'm really pleased to be here and uh, talking about something that I feel really passionate about. So Miriam, first of all, let's have a little look at your journey because you actually started out uh, working for a council in comms, am I right? I did, yeah. Um, so I finished a degree at the University of Sussex in sociology and I've always been sort of fascinated in uh, people and society and the way that um, we operate within society. Um, and as a sort of graduate, it took a little while to find my first role, but I did land a commons role at a local council, which wasn't the most exciting content at times. It was a district council, so there was a lot of um, content around uh, magazines and providing editorial for that, including lots of stories on recycling bins and other exciting stories like that, but not necessarily the most exciting content all of the time. And um, yeah, and, and that's where it kind of started, really. I went traveling for a while after that and then came back and thought, now I really want to get involved with um, a role in comms, media and advertising. Um, and that's um, when I sort of joined the advertising industry. Yeah, I know from my days in sort of local journalism, those council minutes are not always the most exciting thing to report on. So I'm I'm sure it maybe wasn't the, the, too exciting to be in, in that role. But I, I guess that sort of ignited your passion to, you know, start looking at branding. I mean, where did that sort of particular interest come in for you? Well, I've always been really interested in um, in sort of the creative um, sector, the creative industry. And I think we're lucky enough in Britain to be part of, you know, one of the best creative industries in in the world. Um, There's so much going on here um, and lots of really inspiring um, things in every aspect of life, really. Um, And so I think that sort of curiosity around the world around me and the way that people interact with um, businesses and, you know, specifically with brands was something that was fascinating. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to enter the industry um, and start to develop that thinking around, you know, how can... Um, brands interact with customers and consumers, what um, sort of behaviours can be um, affected or impacted and what sort of values um, changes the success of a brand story, really. That's what's fascinating to me, really, sort of understanding a business problem and providing a creative solution to it. Um, And that's something it designates that, you know, we're um, constantly inquiring 
have very, it's a group of people with very inquiring minds. And that's something that we try to bring to business problems to find solutions. And I guess it's that really. It's providing creative problems, sorry, creative solutions to problems um, and helping to build businesses that just fascinated me. Well, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your company because it's had a, a lot of huge clients, hasn't it? Yeah, so um, Designate, uh, we're based in Brighton and um, we're fiercely independent and fiercely proud of that as well. Um, and over the last 30 years, we think it's around 30 years it's been running, but the founder, Adam, um, can't quite remember exactly which year it was that he started. Um, we have yeah, grown a, a large customer base, predominantly in financial services and also travel as well. Um, but in terms of um, insurance clients specifically, you know, we... Um, we have LV as one of our biggest clients, um, and we're very proud to say that we came up with the iconic Green Heart back in 2007, which um, kick-started their journey, which um, has been you know, fantastic to be part of. Um, and we're still working with them today under their new owner of um, Alliance as well. Um, we've also worked with Columbus as part of the Collinson Group and a lot on a lot of the B2B business in terms of that as well. Um, Mafre, who own Insure and Go, and Alliance, um, which is part of the ecclesiastical group. So in terms of sort of finance and specifically insurance clients, some really um, fascinating projects to work on. And from a brand point of view, we've been on some really exciting journeys with all of those. Yeah, that, that sort of brings me neatly to the next question I had in mind, actually, because, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting you to tell us uh, the individual companies and, and, and the experiences involved. But um, can you give us some of the highlights of, of maybe the accounts that you've worked on, some of the things that stand out that you've worked on over the years? Yeah, I think... Um... I've never really had a dull day at Designate, and I'm very lucky to say that. I think, you know, even within, uh, you know, the last couple, well, the last uh, sort of 12 months or nine months since the pandemic started, it's still actually been interesting. There's always a new challenge to undertake and, uh, you know, problems in our ever-changing world that, you know, we're here to sort of help solve with our clients. Um, I think in terms of the most exciting things that we've done is whenever you... Sometimes, you know, within a presentation, within a meeting, you go in knowing that you've got something that's strategically really exciting or creatively something that's going to absolutely ignite a business. And going into one of those meetings with something in your, in your pocket that you know is pretty hot and then being able to present that and seeing the reaction from clients who understand, at that point, understand that you care as much about their business as they do and get them really excited. I can remember doing... Um, a pitch for Priority Pass, actually, where the um, MD and the CEO couldn't actually stay seated because they were so excited about the prospect of seeing this new um, chapter for their brand and their business being presented to them. So those sorts of meetings are always really fulfilling, really exciting, and you can feel the energy in the room. Um, so I think that's definitely a career highlight. Whenever we have a meeting like that, you know, the, um, the energy that you take out of the room and back to the agency as well is just so exciting. Um, I think I've been lucky enough to attend a lot of TV shoots and photographic shoots as well, and lucky to travel the world as well. Um, we've carried out a lot of TV shoots in South Africa and Cape Town specifically for um, for clients. Um, and, you know, we've done things like shut down city centres um, and taken over um, the city centre with an entire carnival. We've had airfields with huge model bills. Um, we've done night shoots um, in some very strange locations, underwater shoots in Mauritius. So, yeah, very, very fortunate in terms of being able to travel and actually seeing something come to life in front of you that you've seen from 
the very early ideation or from that meeting room, which I just described, you know, that very, very first spark of an idea that has so much power finally come to life in front of you is yeah, extremely fulfilling. Um, and in addition to that, then, you know, seeing that perform out in the marketplace again, um, it's just really, really exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate that I can say that I very rarely have a dull day. Um, and there are some highlights, but there's probably too many to mention, really. Yeah, well, uh, just going back to that idea, you said that, you know, of coming into that meeting with that spark of an idea. Yeah. Can you give us a little bit of, a, you know, an insight into where that spark comes from? Where do you get the inspiration? Uh, is it is this coming from sort of, you know, brainstorming as a group? How do you how do you get those sparks? Um, it entirely depends on the brief, but um, there's so much strategic rigour that goes into the background of any sort. Um, and I think the beauty of a really strong creative idea is that it can be pinned down to one singular A4 piece of paper that you could almost pin on the wall or pin on the virtual wall. Um, uh, but I think the strategic rigour that goes into all of the thinking, so the research, understanding the marketplace, understanding the competitive set, um, there, there's a huge amount of work that goes into um, that background thinking, which then, then gets distilled down. And depending whether it's a, a campaign or whether it's um, a brand strategy, and you know these are both um, uh, services that you know designate to an awful lot of, um, that gets reduced further and further down until you then arrive at a brief. And it's at that point that you've got everything reduced down, the most important insights. Um, and understanding and that's where the the idea the spark comes from that then gets you know it gets developed into that sometimes it's a bit of gut feel as well we have to be honest you know sometimes um you approach a brief and there's you know already a thought and you need to prove that that thought's going to work but when you kind of have that gut feel that this is absolutely right for this moment um this customer base this marketplace um that's also you know definitely in play as well so strategic rigor and a really strong sense of gut feel yeah so uh, it's i guess it's, it's really a case of you know understanding the brand and then sort of applying your your creative thinking to that um but you know obviously we can't sort of you know go into the in individual conversations i'm sure you need to you know understand the specific brand when you're sort of creating these ideas but are there any sort of general rules or approaches that you sort of can follow with with all brands so i mean if we if we focus on insurance let's say for example i have an insurance brokerage i'm just starting out i'm looking to get my name out there um what sort of tips would you put my way um, in terms of tips that we'd recommend, um, understand the marketplace. Um, absolutely. You know, understand um, where where the market's going as well, not just at the moment, but also think about the next five years, where possibly, you know, what developments might take place within that marketplace. Know your customer, like really know your customer. And I think what's interesting at the moment is the kind of convergence between um, B2C, business to customer, and B2B, B2B. Um, business to business, it feels like um, because of what's happened over the last 12 months, actually that there's a convergence in terms of are we going to pre approach people in different ways? You know, this sort of old, perhaps more traditional corporate way of speaking to people seems to be falling away a little bit. Um, so that's very interesting and that's something to look out for. 
I think also look outside of your sector. I think we find this quite often um, going into lots of different clients in different sectors that that kind of wider learning from elsewhere, like other markets, other sectors, other regions, other territories, you know, what else can you learn um, by looking up and looking out a little bit more as well? And then um, listen to people, speak to people, speak to your customer base and really understand what it is that appeals to them, what motivates them. And, you know, what's impacting those motivations at the moment? What are those attitudes, those behaviours, those values? And what do they want from that your brand, your business? Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned, the, of course, you know, the, the impact of the last 12 months. And I think the pandemic has made us all think about digital in a, in a more extreme sense than ever before. So mm-hmm. if we're focusing on the sort of the, the online brand, if you want, um, you know, what particular guidance would you give us there? I mean, is this just all about enhancing our presence on social media or is it is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think um, the digitalization of all of our lives um, has you know, been rapidly um, sort of changing anyway, but obviously it's increased vastly over the last 12 months. You know, we're, we're doing everything online now. You know, we're, we're meeting people online, we're cooking online, we're doing exercise classes at home, like everything. It's all encompassing at the moment. And it's looking like that, you know, the, the adoption of the digital nature of our lives um, in every aspect um, will, you know, that will continue um, at a pace that's obviously been increased by the last 12 months. However, that kind of, um, although, you know, we're looking at this increased sort of digitalization of, you know, product and service, in terms of brand and the way the brand comes across in whatever format it may be, um, it very much needs to still um, support the, the master brand values and come across in a in a human way, in a very sort of um, um, differentiated way, even though, you know, it is within a digital format. So I think, you know, thinking of um, social media, for example, you know, absolutely there's a role for, you know, businesses and B2B and, and B2C within social media um, and other platforms too. And I think that actually enhances and layers the the personality and also, um, you know, the values that the brand wants to communicate to an audience with more depth. So I think um, the digitalization of our lives has provided more opportunity for more breadth and depth in terms of the way that brands um, present themselves in, in in the digital arena. I'm guessing that there are you know some traps to watch out for, especially socially as well, um, maybe some sort of common mistakes that are made. Um, what are you, the sort of things that you think people should avoid or watch out for? Um, I think to be as responsive as possible, I think you know, there is, whilst we move towards an ever increasingly digital age, we need to make sure that we are available um, and that, you know, there is that open um, sort of dialogue. I think also when we talk, whilst we're talking about dialogue, that it does need to be open and transparent. Um, So, you know, if there's issues, they need to be dealt with swiftly and in a really human way again. I think also brands, if there is an issue kind of need to put their hands up to it and um and ensure that you know they recognize that there was an issue and um and you know apologize if necessary so again i think whilst you know it's relatively anonymous in some ways in that you can't actually see the person brand 
business sitting behind that profile. Um, at the same time, just try to be as human and as empathetic as possible. Because empathetic brands, particularly within channels like social media, are the ones that perform the best, that kind of tap into a zeitgeist, a moment, a feeling, and also to, to understand, you know, what's going on out in the wider marketplace at the moment and how, you know, certain things can be um, influenced or, um, you know, anything that's particularly of the moment that would really capture people's attention. So just just kind of being aware of, again, what's going on in the wider community and not only just um, the sector that brands are performing in. And you've mentioned there a couple of times this idea of sort of, you know, being a human in, in the digital age, if you want. Um, but how exactly do we sort of express that sort of human side if, if through through digital means i mean is this a case of you know like thinking of, of being very sort of conversational and informal in our tone and in our approach or is it a little bit more than that um i think when we're building sort of brands and carrying out rebrands we look really carefully at the um the expression of the brand within comms and you know it's absolutely critical so tone of voice um, needs to be across everything, you know, regardless of whether you're speaking to someone on the phone or whether you are um, interacting online or you're reading a web page or a social post, that brand needs to, it needs to come from the same voice. Um, it needs to be completely consistent in terms of um, look and feel as well as tone of voice so that there is, you know, there's no um, uh, kind of misunderstanding or it doesn't feel like you're speaking to a different different brand in any way so I think um, that would be you know a recommendation in terms of making sure that not only is it consistent but you feel like you're talking to the same person it's not like going to the pub and feeling like you're talking to one person and then you know you turn up the next day and you think oh they're a bit different that consistency in terms of the presentation of creative expression um, is crucial in terms of um, presenting one brand worldview which comes across in a human empathetic way. And what are sort of the ways that we can kind of get ahead of, of the game? Because, you know, I, I think it's obviously very, very important to to be as proactive as you can, as opposed to be constantly reacting to, to things. Yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, the insurance industry has been rather um, traditional in terms of the way that it's um, has behaved and, and products as well. And it hasn't really had a huge amount of change um, for quite some time. I mean, you know, sort of the introduction of, from a consumer point of view of aggregators a while ago, um, you know, sort of tore the marketplace up a little bit. Um, but it feels like, uh, you know, we, we do need to start to understand people a little bit more, that sort of depth of understanding um, around what um, customers need, what do our customers need? So I guess as opposed to um, you know, waiting for claims to a certain extent and administering that, you know, sort of renewal process, etc. You know, what can we offer? How can we be truly customer centric um, as an insurance brand in this sector? You know, how can we sort of preempt what, uh, you know, the needs and wants of um, end users or brokers or consumers so that the insurance market's taking products um, to market which complement the needs the anticipate you know anticipating the expectations of consumers or customers before they actually um um at that point have you seen um you know any particular trends perhaps emerging in 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 the last year or so um that you think that the brokers and insurance professionals uh, might be able to capitalize on 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably going to be a lot of, it feels like it's going to be a fair bit of proposition development. So talking about um, sort of consumer-centric propositions or customer-centric propositions that, you know, customers will be demanding, um, I think we're probably in a period of a bit of change, which is really exciting um, that, you know, there is probably going to be this transformation um, over the next few years. Um, Again, I think, you know, customer centricity is something that, everyone should capitalize on whether it's in a b2b or a b2c environment um ensuring that you know customers needs are not only met but exceeded consumers are demanding more from brands than ever before and that's both um you know within b2b and b2c um so you know really understanding their needs and developing propositions or developing uh ways of working that creates that deeper empathetic relationship with them um, that's the that's very much where you know brands as a whole are moving to, and I think even though you know financial services um, perhaps doesn't always have the depth of connection that some other sectors might, um, it's still absolutely important that customers are, are, are put centre, and you know that deeper understanding um, is is applied. Yeah, I think it's something that the the insurance industry is is perhaps making a you know quite a a big move in in this direction in general is to just be you know sort of more um, considerate of their customers and I think it's a, it's something that you know brokers certainly play a massive part in in terms of you know they have that interaction they're constantly getting feedback um, from their clients from their customers um, so I, I guess it's it's about sort of taking that and applying it to the brand is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And making sure um, that, yeah, that it, it comes from a very brand viewpoint as well. So customer centricity that ladders up to the mission and, the, you know, the overarching brand proposition as well. Um, and I think, you know, sort of you know, more broadly, whilst everything's becoming more digitalized, ensuring that that doesn't fall away, that those interactions, which, you know, might normally be happening um, at a conference, for example, or within more face-to-face meetings, as we've all had to very quickly get used to having um, endless online meetings, that, you know, that doesn't fall away. The sort of essence of that um, remains true because, you know, relationships and people are absolutely central um, to the industry, um, particularly from a broker point of view. So, yeah, sort of building, maintaining that sort of, you know, customer-centric human element into an increasingly digital offer is the real challenge. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you have any sort of tips on that as well? Because like you said, you know, everybody's kind of moved away from those face-to-face meetings, or at least for now, um, everybody's using, you know, your Zooms, your Teams, etc. Um, are there any particular tips that you would give for, for making that kind of interaction work? Uh, is it just a case of, you know, being in regular contact and making sure that you're you're reaching out to people in other ways? Yeah, well, I mean, as I guess as a brand and creative agency, we faced a similar challenge when, um, you know, the world kind of went inside in March last year, to be honest. Um, we're used to going out and having meetings and, you know, pre- presenting creative work in particular is very difficult to do in the sort of emphatic way I described earlier about, you know, lighting up a room when it's over Zoom. So we've also had to very rapidly change um, the way that we approach business meetings. Um, but, you know, we've, we've found a way and I think, you know, uh, obviously sort of the, the tenacity of, um, uh, you know, being able to switch to a slightly different format um, is something that, you know, we've applied some creative thinking to. So I think 
you know, I think events and conferences, they've got a lot better over the last nine months. I think people have, um, you know, succeeded in in putting some really fantastic events together. It is slightly different. So I think that one-to-one personal um, uh, interaction or even, you know, within a smaller group is still really important. Um, at Designate, we've managed to find several excellent cocktail delivery companies. So we've been continuing to have some drinks with clients, which have gone down really well over the last uh, period as well. But I think it's it's maintaining contact, maintaining that social human element again. Um, it is difficult to create chemistry um, over you know certain sort of platforms and Zoom and things like that. Um, but uh, it's a necessity. So I think staying in touch recognizing you know that it is a bit different but there are still options to um, have effective meetings and um, to socialize as well and try and plan for the future when things do start to open up a little bit focus on what you know what could be possible um, whilst maintaining the usual sort of connections and contacts that you would really I'm guessing um, things become all the more possible after a cocktail delivery. Um, so, Miriam, ch- change your pace a little bit. Um, I, I know that when you're not obviously revamping uh, people's brands and so on, that you are very, very passionate about horses. Is that right? Yes, I'm um, one of those girls who fell in love with horses quite early and um, probably my parents uh, regret taking me slightly on that first riding lessons because it obviously isn't the um, cheapest of sports. But yeah, I had a horse when I was growing up and then um, I had a break at university when I didn't have one. And I just felt like part of me was missing really because I love being around them. And um, so I've got another horse now who's kind of almost semi-retired. She's a big ginger horse called Chessie. Um, I do get to go out on her from time to time, um, but with two young children, it's increasingly difficult. Um, so hence why she's semi-retired and she's probably fairly happy about that. Um, but yeah, I find horses really calming um, after a really busy week um, at the office or at the home office at the moment. Um, it's lovely to be able to saddle up and go for a ride on the South Downs. Um, and I was reflecting the other day that I think tack rooms, which is where you go and buy saddles and bridles and um uh, horse feed and stuff like that it's probably one of the only retail outlets that hasn't changed in my lifetime it still smells the same they still um, sell the same products so it's kind of a real escape for me and I highly recommend if anyone's feeling a little bit stressed to go and just hang out with a horse for a little while because they're great for therapy and uh, just forgetting uh, kind of some of the world's stresses and strains for a little bit yeah and, and while many of us are sort of going um perhaps a little bit lockdown stir crazy um i think you're probably more comfortable than most not only because of your horses but also because you're you're very proud of your your home city too aren't you yeah absolutely um i uh well i came to brighton in 1999 actually to go to the university of sussex and um then had the job at the council when traveling around the world and was reflecting on where to move back to when i got back to the uk and i couldn't think of anywhere better really Um, Yeah, I absolutely adore Brighton. We're very lucky that we've got the downs, we've got the beach, but more importantly than that, it's the vibe um, of Brighton. It's got a real sort of soul. It's got a real sense of of person. And I think I always call it a bit of a Peter Pan town because you can kind of do whatever you want, wherever you want, and no one really 
bats an eyelid within reason. Um, but yeah, Designate's been here for 30 years. It's a really important part of who we are as well. Um, and there's one small campaign that we did last year for Visit Brighton, um, which uh, has really struck a chord, actually. And the campaign's called Never Normal, because everyone was talking about the new normal and what that meant. And actually, we, it was almost like a celebration of our city in terms of we've never been normal. Um, and it's really struck a chord, not only locally, but I think sort of, you know, nationally with people that know and love Brighton for its weird quirkiness. And the people that we employ at Designate uh, kind of reflect that sort of sense of thinking about things slightly differently, um, turning ideas upside down on their head um, and approaching the business problems that I was talking about a little bit earlier in a really interesting, creative way. And I think that's why, you know, sort of clients like our approach and our style, because um, we probably bring thinking that wouldn't necessarily happen within the boardroom because um, this specific type of creative thinking almost needs someone, you know, external that can, as I say, spin things on its head. So I'm very proud to call Brighton my home city now. And um, yeah, designates a big part of, of this city, but also, you know, the alternative way that we like to approach um, business. Yeah, I was going to say that you should work for the tourism board, but it sounds like you've already done some work for the tourism board. So um, tell me, Miriam, I'm sure there's going to be a few people who are listening to this and, um, you know, would like to know a little bit more um, about how they can improve their brand. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, um, get in touch with me through LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Miriam Boot um, or through the website um, designate.com. You can either of those channels and it would be great to have a chat. Um, as I say, we get really excited about uh, new business problems. So we'd love to hear them even for, you know, an initial chat would be lovely. Yeah, Miriam, I think you've given us a lot of, of great insights today. Uh, hopefully we're all brand ready for the rest of 2021 now. Um, I hope you'll be back, our humble listeners, to check out our brand again in uh, about one week's time. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.